30 years ago, I was at an in-between time in my life. I was newly married, like two days. Uh, uh, I've been married for 30 years and two days now. But I was in an in-between time because in the fall of the previous year, 1991, I had written papers uh, to be ordained in the United Methodist Church. Uh, and there are like, I don't know, six papers or something like that. Uh, well, one of them is not really a paper. One of them is uh, a battery of psychological testing. Uh, the MMPI, which is the Minnesota Multiphasic uh, Inventory or Personality Inventory, exactly. You know, you need a good... Uh, it was originally, it's a, it's a wonderful uh, tool for psychological testing. It was originally tested in the 1940s on the criminally insane to make sure it's correct. So uh, in 1991, I had taken that test and I had had a really cathartic and positive experience with the, uh, with the psychologists working through all of the testing and it was, it was really good, but I was in between. Because after you write all the papers, it's a little tiny bit, not at all, like those, for those of you who have doctorates, not even comparing it, but it's a little bit like that because you write all these papers, a bunch of people somewhere else read all the papers, and then you go to defend the papers in the springtime. Uh, and then you get the word, whether you defended and whether the papers were not, were well, good, not so good, didn't get it at all, and so I stood in what was, for me, a way of understanding a wilderness. I was at a high point. I had I'd married Linda. It was, you know, we were excited. You know, when you're newlyweds, there's nothing you can't conquer in the world, nothing you can't overcome, except maybe your uh, fear of going to talk to the Board of Ordained Ministry in Virginia, um, because it's an unknown. And the reason I tell that story is because today's, that's a piece of my story, but there's a piece of the Israelite story we're going to talk about today. Uh, and that story, uh, we skipped over all the plagues. If you've ever seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, which, by the way, is really not completely true at all to what the biblical text says, but it's very, it's, you know, it's Charlton Heston and lots of special effects for the 1950s, all those kinds of things. Um, but the Israelites who had been slaves in Egypt are delivered. They're let go. And then uh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, which is just a title. I have to get my glasses out, so I'm touching my microphone. That's never a happy thing. If I'm going to read the Bible to you, it'd be good if I could see, not just make it up. But Pharaoh has second thoughts about having let the people go. And so uh, that's where we pick up today. It also helps if you're reading it right side up as opposed to upside down. Just a, just a heads up about reading. You can do it all sorts of ways. We're in the 14th chapter, chapter of the book of uh, Exodus. When the ruler of Egypt learned that the people had fled, he and his followers changed in their feelings toward them. What have we done, they exclaimed, allowing the Israelites to leave our service. So Pharaoh ordered the chariots harnessed 
and with an army of 600 of the best chariots and all the other chariots in Egypt, with warriors on them, pursued the Israelites, even as they made their triumphant escape. The Egyptians gave chase, the whole army with horses, chariots, and charioteers, and caught up with them as they were encamped by the sea at Pi-Hahirat, facing Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back and saw the Egyptians pursuing them and cried out in terror to God. They turned to Moses, asking, Were there no graves in Egypt that you must lead us out here to die in the desert? What have you done to us? Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Didn't we tell you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It, must, it, it would have been better to work for the Egyptians than to die out here in the desert. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and you will see the victory Adonai will win for you today. Though you, though you see Egypt, Egypt today, you will never see it again. Adonai will do the fighting for you. You only have to keep still. Then Adonai said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to march on. And you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and split the sea in two, and the Israelites may pass as if on dry land. This is our reading for this morning. Thanks be to God. Well, it's a wonderful and powerful story about a group of people who are caught in between. You know, they just, they just won. They just won because finally they got let go. They've been enslaved. They used to be partners. If the biblical story is to be understood completely, they are they used to be partners with, in fact, highly respected members of the community in Egypt. And somewhere along the way, a pharaoh came to power who did not remember them. You'll remember that Linda talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that didn't remember who they were and how uh, instrumental they had been in keeping Egypt flourishing. And so when that happened, he enslaved them. And they became slaves in Egypt. Uh, working uh, to build the pyramids or other, you know, crops, everything they had to do uh, for these Egyptian slave masters. And so, uh, you know, God hears their cry. Last week we heard the call of Moses. I've heard the cry of my people, God tells Moses from the burning bush, and I'm sending you to deliver them. Well, now they've been delivered. Speedy delivery. You know, I drew that name in all honesty from my uh, small child years of watching Mr. Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, Mr. McFeely would, uh, he was the delivery guy. Speedy delivery. And he would show up with a package and have a conversation with Mr. Rogers. And if you don't know who Mr. Rogers is, you have really missed out. But we're not talking about Mr. Rogers today. Uh, so... They wanted a speedy delivery, they got the delivery, and now they want another one. Because here they are caught between the Egyptian armies, 
which were formidable, and the Red Sea in front of them, we're told, uh, or the Reed Sea. It all depends on how it's, it doesn't matter which one it is. It is unpassable in their minds. So here they are caught in between, in that in-between space, and desiring, hoping for some kind of speedy delivery. And so they call out to God. And then they turn to Moses. This is, this, is such a, this is such an intriguing piece. They turn to Moses and say, we just never really wanted to leave slavery. We wanted to stay there the whole stinking time. You made us do this. It's your fault we're out here. You know, couldn't have we just died back in Egypt? At least there we knew what we were doing. Here we are in the middle of nowhere, and we're going to die. Moses, you stink as a leader. Stink. Convinced us to do something we never wanted to do in the first place. Uh, and so they stand on that edge. They stand on that edge. Now you see, when I look at them, what I see is people who haven't really yet been delivered from the slavery that they thought they had been delivered. Now physically, they've moved on. They left Egypt. They're gone. They're out in the desert now. But there's something about the known past, even if it's the bad past, that we want to go back to. We'd rather go for the known than go into the unknown future. This ought to feel really normal to you. This, you, you watch the news all the time. We all just want to go back to normal, whatever normal is. And we've all got an idea of what normal is, but it's certainly not what it is now. We just want to lift all restrictions, not worry about anything, and just go back to living our lives. As if the last two years didn't happen. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't really somewhere inside wish for that. Whether you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine, pro-mask or anti-mask, any of those kinds of things, Everybody wishes for two years ago. Two years ago, we had no idea in February. In fact, in the beginning of February, two years ago, Linda and I were, we were in Santa Monica, California, which turns out to be apparently one of the first places where a, a reported case of coronavirus happened. But we were, you know, oblivious, wandering around, hearing about this strange virus that was happening in Wuhan, China. And so we were... Wuhan is pretty far away from where we were, so we were just having a good time. We would love to go back to that time where you could get aboard an aircraft and uh, not have to do all those masking pieces where you don't constantly get uh, wondering, well, we're doing this now, but how long before there's another surge and we gotta stop doing that? All those pieces of being caught in between you know, for me, as I told you 30 years ago, that being caught in between, I knew my past. I knew, I knew I had written those papers. And you know, when you finally get to the end of writing six really long papers, bleary-eyed, typing, 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 you're saying, I don't care what I put here. I don't even care if the grammar's correct. We're sending this in, I'm done. <laughs> I am done. 
And now you're rereading the papers and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I submitted these and they're supposed to be how everyone decides whether I get ordained or not. So there's this always this known past that sometimes we long for. You know, we talk about all these golden age. If we could only go back to the 50s. I don't know a single person of color who wants to go back to the 50s in America. White people in all white neighborhoods might want to go back there. But it wasn't so good for everybody. It wasn't so good for everybody. We have these golden ages we long to go back to. And the future scares the living stuffing out of us. And that's the Israelites. That's us. That's us. We're longing for something we cannot have. It's past. There, uh, there's no time machine I'm aware of where somebody can zoom back in time and go to Wuhan and just before somebody catches it, however it happened, stop it from happening. We can't go back. We, it's all wishful thinking, and that's the best you've got. And if you're going to dwell there, you're going to miss out on the opportunities to be here and move into the future, because this is where we are now. This is where we are now, and we've got to be real about that. We are at the edge of the chaotic sea in front of us, and there's no way we can see with our own eyes that we'll move forward. There was no way the Israelites could see. There was no way, perhaps at that moment, that Moses could see. And then a voice came. It might as well have been God will provide. We have to get a, you know, we get a wonderful reminder. I don't know if James picked it for that reason or if James picked it because the Spirit led him to pick it. I don't know, but however that all happened, Trusting in God's provision from Genesis, we're now in Exodus. We've moved ahead to another book. Trusting in God's provision is just not in our wheelhouse most of the time. Just because God took care of us yesterday, what does that mean about today? I want to know what's going to happen now. That was so 15 minutes ago, God. What are you going to do for me now? What have you done for me lately? Led me out next to the Red Sea or the Reed Sea, whatever sea it is. And there's bad behind me. And it's bearing down. Sometimes I wish there was like a handbook about how to be a human being in the world so that when, you know, when one of those little switches flips in your brain that tells you everything's falling apart, all around, the sky is falling, the sky is, you, you could say, oh, that's the third red switch on the left. Of course, I need a reset. But we don't work like that. We don't work like that. But sometimes these stories remind us that we're not the first ones to wonder collectively as human beings how it's going to work out because we can't see it. We, we just can't. I can't see what it's going to happen like tomorrow. I can barely keep track of what's happening right now. 
There's like a thousand different directions this sermon could have gone when I got up this morning. And probably still at least two or three that it could go right down. <laughs> and I have to trust that God's with me in this moment and will open a way for me, even as I preach, that God will open a way for you, even as you're here to hear whatever that James has to say this morning. That God will make a way for us into the future. But it's about trust. Trust. Because the story tells us that everybody who gets to the desert and faces a new obstacle would just as soon go back to the thing that enslaved them before. In fact, begin to wonder whether they ever left slavery in their own mind. Sure, they took off the chains, ran out into the desert. But did they ever leave that mentality of being enslaved in the past, stuck with who they were? An old popular song that came to me throughout the week. Um, it was a, a popular Christian song when I used to listen to it. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. And the Israelites didn't believe it. And I wonder if we do. I wonder if we are so hyped on getting back to something that used to be that we won't be able to experience the promise of what is and what will be because of how caught up in our own enslaved vision of yesterday was. Yesterday was cool. It's all sorts of cool things. You know, if you'd come to St. James 10 years ago, many of you did, 10 years ago, we weren't even in this building. You know where St. James Plaza is right there? St. James was right there. We had a building. It was right there. We had 12,000 square feet. So much space we didn't know exactly what to do with it. And here we are here. If you had told me 10 years ago, in the beginning of 2012, that we were on the edge of selling the building and going into unknown spaces, I would have called you crazy. I would have excommunicated you from the church and sent you somewhere else. And look at what happened. Because sometimes I think God is a jokester. In a good way. In a good way. I was so sure of my future that I was enslaved by the past in ways I didn't even know. I couldn't see the path in front of me because all I saw was a chaotic sea. How about you? Are you feeling the chaotic sea in front of you? The uncertainty of what lies ahead? You know, politically our country is torn in half. People believe all sorts of things on both sides. About the people on the other side. And then it gets all tied up in our health 
care and everything else, all the pieces of our lives, all tied up. Who gets what and who doesn't get what and all that kind of stuff. I don't see how we're going to make it forward. This is not the America I remember from the 1980s. Some might say, well, thank goodness for that, too. Things have changed, as they always do. Can I trust right now that the God who never left me, even in my most challenging and darkest times, the God who hung with me even when I had to go and defend my semi-lucid writings about what it means to be a United Methodist clergy person and walked with me through coming to St. James. I had no idea 30 years ago whether I'd be ordained at this time, let alone whether I'd be sent to a church and if I was sent to a church, where that church would be. And now I've been sent to one church in my 30 years under appointment and it's not been in the same place. I've moved three times. Well, I moved two times. Well, if you count the first time coming to St. James, I can move three times. And I'm still at St. James. <laughs> but you couldn't have told me when I came in 1992 we were going to sell a building, tear it down, and move to this little building. That's not so little, really. You couldn't have told me. And it's probably good that I had no idea just how chaotic the waters were because God delivered me in that time. So why, if I can look back and say, thumbs up, God, for the last 30 years, thumbs down, down, for whatever's coming next, what happens? Well, I'll tell you. Like the Israelites, I think, oh my gosh, who was the fool that got us here? It must have been somebody else. Only the fool who got us here is probably me. <laughs> Moses, Moses. James, James. We're at a crossroads as people on the earth. We have extreme weather now. We have supply shortages, shortages in, in America. We, a place we never imagined that we couldn't go to the grocery store and find whatever we wanted and some stuff we didn't. Now you wonder when you go. There was that period of time in the early pandemic when you had toilet paper hoarders and you didn't know if you were going to be able to find toilet paper. Oh my gosh! No toilet paper. Got some news for you in the first century. There wasn't any either. At all. <laughs> okay, we won't go there. Here we are, right now. We have a story of a group of people not unlike us who are longing for what wasn't all that great of a past, but they, you know, they remember it is they blocked out all the bad stuff, the beatings and all the kind of stuff that came with their enslavement in Egypt. They blocked that all off, and it was only good. They're on the precipice of the future that looks chaotic and crazy and uncertain and they have no idea where they're going. 
And there's only one ask. Trust God now. God has already provided. God is providing. God will provide a way. You can't figure out what the way looks like yet, but you can figure out how to trust now. And then Moses gets the word and he holds up his, if you've ever seen the Ten Commandments, you know, Charlton Heston's standing there, he's holding up his staff and the sea parts. I don't know what sea you're standing in front of personally. I see some of what we're standing in front of as human beings on this planet. Can I trust God enough? Can I step out in faith enough to do what needs to be done by me and you by you so that God's truth of love and hope can break into our world again in new and beautiful ways? Ways we can't see yet. Ways we can't see yet. I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for trust. I'm going to pray that in my moments when I lack it, that I can have it. That God will provide it. So, another one of our great stories. That's not just about 3,000 years ago. Could be about us today. Maybe a different Red Sea, maybe a different slavery, but certainly at a crossroad. Prayer requests? I want us to pray for a family in need of housing. Um, something I have taken for granted most all of my life. My parents who watch us now have always told me that even if everything else fell apart in the world, I could go there. But not everybody's got a there they can go. And I know and love people that hang on the edge of that. So I want us to pray for a family in need of housing. I want us to continue to pray for the Scott family. Not a Scott family you know. Um, yesterday we went to Mary Scott's uh, funeral. Um, her husband, Bruce, of 47 years, was there. It was a large gathering, um, the funeral. And he's a retired general, tough. But you didn't have to look very hard at his eyes to see how broken he was. So I want us to pray for all of Mary's family that stays behind. Each one of her six children got up 
and spoke a word in remembrance of their mom. And then the priest gave a great homily about Mary. And it was like, wow, a real celebration of her life. So I, for all the lives she touched, and see, each one of you in here touch lives whether you know it or not. For all the lives she touched and will miss her, for her family who are recovering, I want to ask that we be in prayer for them. For all of us who are at crossroads in this life, I want to pray for us. Whatever those crossroads are. We all have crossroads. Um, I want to pray for humanity's crossroads that we stand at right now as well. And pray that we'll find a way forward. We begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us. And then we'll pray together the Lord's Prayer a version of which will be on the screen behind me, but you pray the version you know or you want to in your language. That's you to you. Um, but that's how we'll end our prayer time is with uh, the Lord's Prayer. So could we go to God in a moment of silent prayer together? Gracious and loving God, like the Israelites, I am enslaved to a past that I know and afraid of a future I don't. And I stand in the here and now hoping by your grace to trust you enough to walk into the unknown future, knowing you'll be with me that you'll turn the sea into dry land, that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. God, I, I miss things from before. I do understand that. You know, even the bad unknown sometimes. But there are good pieces of the, un, uh, of, the, of the remembered past that I wish for. I share with many people here at St. James missing having communion together, coming to the table. For so long I presided at that table over communion every single time we gathered. And it just feels weird and God, we entrust ourselves to you to open the way, whatever way is forward for that. God, we are concerned for the humanity in which we live. We are concerned for uh, our own complicity in being on one side or the other and being sure we are right 
so that our siblings cannot be heard when they speak a different story. Lord, help us. Help us. Because we cannot do this alone. You have been faithful to us even when we weren't faithful to you. We pray, oh God, that you would be our strength and our rock. We know as we heard this morning and we're reminded you are our provider. You have provided, do provide, will provide. Help us to trust that. We pray for those who are in a tough place when it comes to housing, finding a place, a space that is safe. Help us, God, and help Mary's, Mary Scott's family in this time of recovery. For all of us who are grieving whatever losses we face, for all of our wishing and imagining, teach us, O oh God, to trust you. Because you are always there with us. You are always there. God, we lift all of this to you as we remember the promise you gave, you in, you gave us in your Son, who, in addition to being called Jesus, salvation, is also called Emmanuel, God with us. And he lived that promise, and we know that promise in your presence even now. And it's in his name we pray now, the prayer that he taught his disciples. That includes us. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen.